The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Amen. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Vandach. <laughs> Caught you off guard. Shout, today I will hear the word of God. And it will bring transformation to my life. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Y'all didn't know I spoke French. (laughs) The Lord. Man, I'm so excited and I want to take this opportunity as well to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers uh, in the house. We love you. We honor you. And uh, we just want to celebrate you on this uh, beautiful day. Amen. I was saying to Derek earlier on that uh, they, have, they have about 12 Mother's Days and uh, Girlfriend's Days and Ladies' Days in a year. Because Christmas is a Ladies' Day. New Year is Ladies' Day. Valentine's Ladies' Day. Easter Ladies' Day. I mean, it's just... Now Mother's Day. Oh, yeah, because mothers are special. Amen, amen, amen. We're not disputing. We love you guys. And Women's Day and Women's Month. Amen. So we're starting a brand new series uh, in the same spirit. We're going to be talking about the awesome ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a denomination that acknowledged the Holy Spirit, but they didn't teach us how to relate to the Holy Spirit and see Him practically. Uh, operate in our lives. Amen. So it was always my desire to find out what this Holy Spirit was and how uh, he is a part of my life and where he fits in the big picture. So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, starting today. So the new series is called The Awesome Ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A lot of people don't relate the word awesome with the Holy Spirit because most of the time when they bring up the Holy Spirit, it's this eerie weird thing that they are getting ready to talk to you about, but actually Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a friend. Amen? And we want to get to a place where we can relate to this uh, most important part of our Christian walk. Uh, Jesus said it was expedient, it was important that he goes, because if he didn't go, we would not have the Holy Spirit come to us. And uh, so let's read now in John chapter number 16, and we want to read from verse 5 to 15. This is after Jesus had uh, shared with his disciples that he was going to go to the cross and be crucified and be taken away from them. And because they did not have any spiritual insight... Uh, They were what we would like to call dead Christians because their spirits were dead. Uh, They did not have any spiritual insight. They didn't see the significance of Jesus dying on the cross. So they were depressed, you know. And while they were depressed, Jesus said these words to them. He said in verse 5, But now I go away to him who sent me, him being God, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, you... Sorrow has filled your heart. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, Jesus, everything that he said was the truth. Now, if he had to announce what he's getting ready to say as the truth, I think we need to pay attention. Amen? He says, nevertheless, I tell you uh, the truth. For if I do not go away, oh, no, no, no. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Someone say, it is to my advantage (coughs) that the Holy Spirit comes. Now, he says something powerful. He says, it is to your advantage, or if you're reading in the original King James, he says, it is expedient that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, someone say the helper. You know, other versions of the Bible say the comforter. Man, this is powerful. You'll never see uh, Jesus saying uh, the tormentor. Yet, if you hang around Christians, uh, I've, been, I've been in the church a long time. I've been a leader in the church since 2002. And I've done crazy things because I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I remember in 2002, we were leading a group of uh, young people, young adults. And we decided we were going to pray for the community that God had placed us in. So we fasted uh, for a long time. I think it was about 21 days. We fasted for 21 days. At the end of 21 days, we got together and got into our cars and would go street by street and pray for the community. It was a noble idea, but the prayer, man, the prayer was way out of the scriptures. The prayer was emotional. The prayer was religious. The prayer had nothing to do with Jesus' instruction. In fact, this is how the prayer went. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you that we fasted for 21 days. Now we have the power to take over this community. And so, Holy Spirit, we release you into these houses. Cause them not to sleep. <laughs> Anyone that does not know you, cause them not to hold hands and people would get, you know, charged up and fired up and goosebumps would come. It was just an emotional uh, calisthenic because we did not understand the true character of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people still do that today because they don't understand the Holy Spirit. In fact, believers think the Holy Spirit is the tormentor. I've been around Christians who say, you know, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go to sleep. That doesn't sound like comfort. In fact, the one time I was in Atlanta, and my wife sent me a voice note that someone, you know, spiritual had sent to her. And she's, it, I mean, she sounded depressed, first of all. And the, the things she was saying in the voice note was, you know, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go to sleep. And I said to my wife, first of all, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's not your tormentor. He's not the one who's bugging you. Amen. But it sounded so spiritual. You know, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go to sleep. He put this burden on me. Jesus never said he would put a burden on you. In fact, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And she was saying this burden was so strong on me. It sounded spiritual, but it's not in line with the true nature of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to comfort you. The Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. The Holy Spirit was sent to be your friend. And Jesus is saying, come and think about it. What could be more, what could be better than having Jesus physically with you? I mean, going to, to Santon with Jesus himself. And, you know, we're just rolling with Jesus. We see sick people. We just take care of them. You know, we, man, we're just with Jesus. We walk up to a funeral. We raise people from the dead. I mean, Jesus, right? Jesus said there's something better than that. Jesus said there's something uh, which is more expedient than me being here physically. And what is that? He said for the Holy Spirit to come and be on the inside of you. 
Amen? I said amen. So he says it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I de- uh, depart, I will send him. Someone say him. Yeah, it's one of the things we want to touch on as we lay a foundation is that the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a fire. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. Amen. In fact, let's go to Acts chapter number 5. We're going to read from verse 3 to 4. Acts chapter number 5. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, There was a revival in the city. And people were bringing all these things to the feet of the apostles. And people were uh, uh, selling their houses and, you know, bringing all these uh, uh, resources to the feet of the apostles. So the, you know, the the revival could go uh, to the uttermost parts of the world. So Ananias and Sapphira wanted in on 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 the program. They wanted to also get some recognition. And they decided to also sell their property. So they sold their property and they brought the money to uh, the... The disciples, but what they did is they took some of it and uh, kept it away from the disciples. First of all, they didn't even have to sell the house because it was their house. Uh, second of all, they didn't have to, you know, bring the money that they got from the selling of the house to the apostles because guess what? It's their money. But because they decided to do so and deceive the apostle, this is what Peter said to Ananias, verse 3. Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit, and have kept yourself some of the money you received uh, for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to human beings, but to? Notice he uh, 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 changes or interchanges the word Holy Spirit with God. He's saying you lied to the Holy Spirit, who is God. So the Holy Spirit is not just a force, he is not just a feeling, he is not a dove, he is not fire, he is a person, the third person of the Trinity. That's why we say, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and this Spirit lives on the inside of believers. Amen? I said amen. Amen. So when we go back uh, to this helper, what does this helper do? Who is this helper? Let's go now to uh, verse... Number uh, 7 of John chapter number 16. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, that word helper is a capital letter H. It's also translated comforter. In the Greek, it's the word parakletos. What that means is the Holy Spirit is your legal counselor. Amen? The Holy Spirit is your legal counselor. Now, I have a question for you. If you committed a crime and uh, you had a legal counselor who is in your corner, uh, who are they going to represent in the court of law? You. Amen? Who are they going to defend? You. So, when the Holy Spirit was given, he was not given to be the judge. He was given to be your legal counselor. He is the one sitting with you saying, you know what? At this moment, don't say anything. (laughs) 
He's the one sitting with you saying, you know what? I know the emotions are rising and they're staring up on the inside of you. And you know, you are in the middle of an argument. You know, husband and wife. The Holy Spirit, your legal counselor, just steps on your leg and say, you know what? You, you, don't say it, don't say it. I got you. Amen? He's saying, no, I got you. Because I'm the one who knows how to deal with this situation. Yeah. I think it was Billy Graham. He said these words. And this was at the turning of his ministry in California when the Lord spoke to him. These words. He said uh, to him, Billy, you make a terrible Holy Spirit. He said, don't try to be the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. Let him minister to the people. It is not your responsibility to try and convince them. What you should do is present the good news to them, and the Holy Spirit is the one that will bear witness with the truth. But sometimes we make a terrible Holy Spirit. You know why? Because we are the ones who want to make people convicted. And, you know, we, we, husbands and wives, typically, they will open a verse. And mark it in the Bible and leave it on your coffee table. <laughs> so when you get up, you can read it. You know? And it's a terrible thing. You know why? Because we're not giving the Holy Spirit his opportunity to minister to the people. But something interesting uh, happens in the same verse as we continue. He says, this Holy Spirit, this is what he's going to do. Verse 8, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. A lot of people don't understand this verse simply because they stop reading. Here in this verse, notice he says, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, singular. Do you see it? He didn't say the Holy Spirit will convict the world of their sins. Hallelujah! So the Holy Spirit, you know, when you mess up and you have that small thing talking to you in your conscience saying, yeah, you messed up, you are, you are, you are, you are crazy, you're going to hell. That's not the Holy Spirit. Because he's supposed to comfort you and he's the same one as Jesus. So what does he convict us of? Just keep reading. Man, it helps if people just kept reading. He says in verse 9, of sin because they do not believe in me. So the only sin that the Holy Spirit convicts people of is the sin of not believing in Jesus the Christ and the finished work that he did on the cross. In fact, I'll be as bold as telling you that the only sin that people will go to hell for is the sin of not believing on Jesus the Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. It's the only sin. Not the individual sins that people do that send them to hell. It's the ultimate sin of rejecting to put their confidence and their trust in the perfect sacrifice who was accepted by God as the perfect sacrifice for eternal redemption for all sin, for all men, for all time. And what we do is we put our confidence in that sacrifice, who is Jesus, and we don't put our confidence in what we do. Because our righteousness is not based in our own works. It is based in what Jesus did on the cross. In fact, all the other sins that you see in the world are as a result of not putting complete confidence and trust in Jesus. You can pick any sin. You know, when people abuse substance, it is because they want to fix things in the natural that Jesus could have fixed if they had let him go into and fill up that void in their hearts. Adultery. People are trying to fix a void in the natural that Jesus himself could have come into their hearts and filled. So, all of those are fruits of the ultimate 
sin, singular, of not putting your confidence and your trust in Jesus. Because if you put your confidence and your trust in Jesus, guess what? That's the root that will begin to produce the fruit of holiness. Everything starts with our confidence and our trust in Jesus. So he says here, he convicts the world of sin because they do not believe in Jesus. Verse 10, of righteousness. Notice he didn't say he convicts the world of unrighteousness. Do you see it? He says he convicts the world of righteousness. Because I go to my father and you see me no more. In other words, he convicts the world of righteousness because he has already made the payment. So when the Holy Spirit comes to you and you've just messed up, he's not going to come to you and tell you you've messed up. He's going to come to you and tell you you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And righteous people don't act like this. He's going to come to you and convict you of your position in Christ so you can begin to go back to your original position. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, talking about Jesus on the cross, making the payment, it says, Him who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So our righteousness is a gift. It is not of works. You could never achieve it. In your own effort. Even if you tried. In fact in the Old Testament they tried. And God looked at it and he said. Your own righteousness in your own strength. Is as filthy rags in my eyes. You know why? Because God's standard is so high. No man could meet it. See I see a lot of people. Trying to meet God's standard. In their own effort. They don't understand God's standard. God's standard in the Old Testament was that if you had a pimple on you, you couldn't come to the presence of, God, of the Lord. You would be struck dead. <laughs> if you'd sweat. How many of you sweat? Disqualified. If you were not a certain height. That's why the Levites had to be measured. If you were not a certain height. You are not coming into the presence of the Lord. In fact, Jesus, dealing with the Pharisees who wanted to save themselves, you know what he said to them? He said, if you think it, you've already committed it. He said, if you have hateful thoughts. How many of you have ever had hateful thoughts at uh, someone driving crazy in traffic? Anybody? (laughs) Jesus says, you have already murdered What is he saying? He's trying to show you that the standard is so high. You can't do it in your own strength. So what do you do? You give up, you run a white flag, and you say, you know what? I need some help. And when you get to the place where you say, I need some help, Jesus becomes relevant to you. See, if you're trying to do it in your own strength, then Jesus is not relevant. Because guess what? You can save yourself, so he's not your savior. But when you realize, you know what, I couldn't do it in my own strength, Jesus becomes relevant to you. There was this man who went to heaven. You know, you go to heaven, and when he walked into heaven, they said, you know, he met Peter and uh, the apostles at the uh, pearly gates, and they had a big uh, golden book with the names in it. Uh, But for you to actually get your name in that book so you could gain entrance into heaven, uh, they wanted you to get 100 points. You know, for you to make it into heaven. So this guy got to heaven and they said, okay, uh, Peter said it's simple. All you need is 100 points for you to make it into heaven. And this guy said, that's easy. 
And Peter said, okay, you can shoot. And the guy said, you know what? I loved my wife. I tithed. I went to church every Sunday. I served in my church. I helped people. I was a good Christian. And after he finished saying all of that, uh, Peter said half a point. (laughs) And then the guy said half a point. And he said half a point. He said, okay, I prayed in tongues. I read my Bible. You know, I greeted my neighbors every single day. I prayed for those that, you know, despitefully used me. And when they hit me on the left, I gave them the right to eat. And Jesus, uh, Peter said another half point. So by the time this guy finished spelling out all the things that he had done, I fasted, I prayed three times a day, and so on and so forth, he got to about three and a half points. And then when he got to three and a half points and he realized it wasn't cutting it by what he did, he said, you know what, Peter? Then if it's like that, the only way we can make it is by God's grace. And Peter said, a hundred points. Now you've changed your perspective. Now you've changed the way you look at things. Now you are not looking at, you know, earning things from God or self-righteousness. Now you are looking at Jesus' righteousness. And when you have Jesus' righteousness, when you have confidence and trust in Jesus' righteousness, and you focus on what Jesus did for you on the cross, and you realize that he has given you the Holy Spirit to comfort you. Parakletos, that's the word in the Greek, to help you along the journey of life. Man, you will begin to relate with the Holy Spirit in a better way. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit was given to you so that he could help you. He was not given to torment you. And the third thing he says in verse 11 was that he convicts the world of judgment. Verse 11, do you see it? Because the ruler of this world is judged. He didn't say because you stand judged. He says he convicts the world of judgment because Satan is the one who is judged. Amen? Amen? And a lot of people don't understand that they are not the ones who are judged. Satan is the one who was judged. And the reason the apostle Jesus is teaching this same message is he wants you to realize, number one, that when you put your confidence and your trust in Jesus and begin to draw on what Jesus did on the cross, you will begin to actively live in the place of a consciousness of his righteousness. Amen? And number three, you will realize your authority. That I'm dealing with an enemy who is judged, who has already been judged. And that's why the Bible says in Colossians 2.15. Let's go to Colossians 2.15. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Colossians chapter number 2. Let's read from verse 14. I want you to see this. This is awesome. He says, having wiped out, this is Jesus, he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you. So there are no longer any requirements except one requirement, to put your confidence and trust in Jesus. Jesus wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now watch what he did as well, verse 15. He disarmed All principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. In other words, not only did he defeat Satan, he also made the judgment public. That you are dealing with a defeated enemy. You are dealing with a defeated foe. Amen? The only power that Satan has is the power that you give him. 
Man, that's good. Satan does not have any power over you. He does not have any authority over you yeah. except the power that you give him. And this power comes through deception. It comes through ignorance. It comes through wrong doctrine. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, 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 they said when he was getting ready to sleep, you know, back in those days, in the days of candles and stuff, he was getting ready to sleep, and there was a manifestation of tokolosh uh, uh, in, in front of his bed. There's a manifestation of, of spirits in front of his bed, and uh, he heard that noise, and he switched on the candle, and he looked. And it was, the, it was, you know, the devil manifesting. And he said, oh, it's just you. And he put out his candle and went to sleep. Because yeah. <laughs> he knew he was dealing with a defeated enemy. Yeah. Man, I wish we did that. Yeah. I wish you did that when the, when the false prophets gave you a, 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 a fear-filled fear prophetic word. You know, when they come to me, they tried it with me. And I told them, man, I'm not listening. Because I know this enemy was defeated. This one prophet calls me and he said, I had a dream. I was at your funeral. And I said, that's not from God. He said, I I had a dream. I was at your funeral. And I think we should set up a team of intercessors that intercede for you. I said, dude, what are you talking about? What are the intercessors going to do that Jesus hasn't already done on the cross? Jesus already defeated the power of death on the cross. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote and said, Death, where is your sting? You no longer have power anymore. And that was about five years ago. You know when he gave me that word? I said to him, you know what? That's not going to happen to me. And usually I don't respond to fear. You can't get me to pray motivated by fear. Because we must pray motivated by faith. So you give me some silly prophecy, I go to Nando's. It's in my diary. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll straight up. I go do something else. I'm not, I'm not, I'll, I go and do something else just to show you that your prophetic word will not instill fear in me. It's amazing how the church responds to fear. In fear. And think that God will move by fear. God moves by faith. Man, if you receive a prophetic word and it's not comforting, it's not encouraging, it's not exhorting, it's not from God. If you receive anything spiritual from these so-called, you know, spiritual inside people and it's filled with fear, it's not from God. Because when it comes from God, from the Holy Spirit, it's going to be comforting. It's going to be to your advantage. He said it's expedient. It's to your advantage that I give you the Holy Spirit and he will help you. He will give you good legal counsel. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Let us go now to 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Man, the Holy Spirit is your friend. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit will make you look good. He's out to make you look good. I was sharing with our life group last week. You know, we just finished this series Uh, living victoriously through faith. And when the Holy Spirit gave me that series, he gave me five things I was to teach, you know, the church. And when I listed those five things as he gave them to me, I had no clue, no idea that, you know, the point about us uh, 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 talking about the cross and the power that the cross gives us and the power of righteousness in Christ and how it empowers to live us uh, through faith was going to fall on the same weekend as Easter. I didn't know that. 
But when I finished preaching, someone came to me. They said, Pastor, you're so strategic. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> Man, the Holy Spirit will make you look good. In fact, some of you don't know this. I'm letting you in on a secret. Some of the things the Holy Spirit gets me to speak here, I've never heard anywhere else. I've never spoken them before. I've never read them in a book. Sometimes I use words that I don't even know what they mean. When I get home, my wife is smart. I always say, honey, <laughs> did I use this word correctly? In fact, I did it last week. I, was like, I used a word, a big English word I'd never heard of. And guess what? When I got home, I said, honey, is this word right? And she said, yeah, it fits perfectly. And I didn't even know. You know why? All you have to do is to stop. I pity people who are so gifted and so talented and so intelligent that they don't need the Holy Spirit. And I feel sorry for you. You know why? Because when you start leaning on the Holy Spirit, He will make you look good. He will make you look good. Because guess what? You can depend on Him and He will let all kinds of awesome stuff flow through you. And people will think, man, you are so strategic. No, it's the Holy Spirit. Because he came to help you. He's your paracletos. And you can take the Holy Spirit to the marketplace and he will make you look good. He has, he has been reduced to just goosebumps and falling down in church when pastors lay hands on you. The Holy Spirit is more strategic than that. The Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. He wants to talk to you. He wants to be your GPS uh, 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 instructor in your life. He wants to tell you things that are amazing, things that will blow your mind. You know, when I went to uh, preach for the first time, uh, uh, the TV series at TVN, I walked into the place and, uh, you know, you walk into the studio and uh, they close this big metallic uh, uh, door. It's an iron door. When they close it, they lock that thing. And then they say, five, four, three, two, one, go. And then you start preaching. Now, I'd never been in that environment before where, you know, you, it's just you and the cameras. I'm used to, you know, preaching to people and they give me feedback and, you know, when they sleep, I can wake them up and so on and so forth. <laughs> Amen. But I'm sitting in this place and, man, this place is cold. And then they say, five, four, three, two, one, preach. And then I started preaching. I tell you, I had loads and loads of notes because I had prepared. It was a new environment. I didn't sleep the night before. My wife would tell you I was praying in the Holy Spirit. I was praying in tongues. When I drove to the place, I was praying in tongues. I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. I went in there and I preached this sermon, all those notes that I had, in seven minutes. (laughs) And I had 30 minutes to preach. And man, I was going, I was going. And I'm getting to the end of my notes and I look at the time. The time is saying I still have 23 minutes. And the Holy Spirit did something amazing. I still believe it was the Holy Spirit. Some of you think it's ESCOM, but I think it was the Holy Spirit. I really do believe. Man, there was a power cut. And that door went... And about four people walked in, and they were all apologizing. Pastor, we are so sorry. We are so sorry. We lost everything. We lost everything. I'm thinking, all this thing. And they said, now we're going to have to do it all over again. And so what I did is I just took what I had done in seven minutes and kind of dragged it to fit 30 minutes. You know, like, hello. My name is Tavara. And that thing fits 30 minutes. But I'm telling you, man, the Holy Spirit came through for me. 
preached all. I didn't have anything else to preach for 23 minutes. I was going to get fired on the spot. We thought you were a preacher, but you don't have anything to preach. They were going to cut my time forever. But guess what? The Holy Spirit came through for me. Because the Holy Spirit is out to help you. And all you have to do is to just depend on Him. And I know some people are just so talented that they don't need the Holy Spirit. Man, it's a sad place to be. It's an awesome place to be in a place where you just depend on the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because He will make you look good. Now watch what it says in uh, verse 14 of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the what? The communion of the Holy Spirit. He never uses words like torment or the nagging or the bargaining. He says the communion, the fellowship. Amen? Of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let's read the same verse in the Message Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's in verse 14. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus the Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. Come on, preach with me. Man, I bet they didn't tell you that the Holy Spirit was your friend. He says the intimate, not just the casual, because there are different levels to friendship. Not just casual friendship. No, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Man, the Holy Spirit wants an intimate friendship with you. Where you can begin to talk to Him and He begins to counsel you. He begins to comfort you. He begins to help you. Amen? I said, Amen. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Let's go to Acts chapter number 1, verse 8. Man, I'm running out of time. Acts chapter number 1, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking, and he's talking to the disciples. Remember when Jesus came back from the dead, he said to the disciples, All authority has been given unto me. Now you go and preach the gospel, make disciples, lay hands on the sick. Uh, If you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. The scorpions will not harm you, and so on and so forth. He gave them the authority to function. But after he gave them the authority to function, he did not immediately release them to go and start preaching. He told them to tarry or to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. You remember the story? Can you imagine? You were following the Master for all the days of your life, three and a half years of of your adult life, and the Master dies, and, you know, he's raised from the dead. There is no more important news than that. I mean, I picture it, and I'm Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm Peter. I'm, you know, one of the disciples, Bartholomew, Andrew, and Jesus just came back from the dead. I want to tell everybody, because this is powerful. This is awesome. This is the good news. I want to tell, I'll start with Pontius Pilate himself. He <laughs> say, dude, that dude you crucified, guess what? He's back. <laughs> and then, you know what Jesus says to them? He said, wait. Man, wait for what? He says, wait until you are endured or until you are uh, given or baptized with the Holy Spirit who shall give you power. And this is the verse. He says, but after that you shall receive what? Power. 
So he just didn't want them to have authority. You also wanted to have them to have power. That word power in the Greek is the word strength. It's the uh, a Greek word dunamis. You know, where we get the transliteration, the dynamite. Amen? And he's saying here, not only will you have authority, you shall have ability. You shall have strength. And all of us need the ability of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference between authority and ability, Tafara? Some of you may ask. 2004, I think 2004. I may get the dates mixed up. 2004, I was saved but I was not as saved as most of you in here. I know most of you are spiritual giants. You know, I was, I was saved, but I was still clowning. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I wasn't fully saved. So I, I was saved, but, you know, I wasn't acting like, you know, I'm saved. You know, you know, the, you know, you know what I'm saying. And I was a salesman at the time. So, you know, I would go and work uh, out of town uh, for a week sometimes. And then on the Friday, I would drive back to the city. So on this particular day, I was driving back from uh, Lawayo, driving back to Arare. And when I drove into a small town called Kadoma, right at the curve, uh, there was a sign on my left that said 60 kilometers per hour. And then I saw that sign, but because it was Friday, and I was going back to the big city, I needed to be there on time. Because I didn't want to donate my Friday to, to the company. You see what I'm saying? So I said, man, I need to get back. It's Friday. It's Friday. And everyone is calling me, chief, I'll fire you. And I'm saying, man, I'm making progress. I'm coming back, you know. So I'm driving, you know, in Kadoma. So I saw this policeman, and he was wearing his uniform. Now, uniform symbolizes authority. When you see a policeman in a uniform, they, it shows that they have the authority to carry out their duties. So, this policeman saw me, and I happened to be doing a little over 80, maybe more, but you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and then, because I was doing a little over 80 on a 60, he stopped me. He waved to stop me. And he was, as he was stopping me, I looked at him, and I said, you know what? This dude is a true policeman because he has the uniform, and that means he has authority to stop me. But then I looked on the side, and I didn't see a car, a police car. You know what I mean? And then I looked on his belt, and I didn't see a gun. And then I said to myself, this dude has authority, but he has limited in ability. So I, I don't know. This happened. I, I can't explain it. The, the foot just moved from the middle pedal. To the outside pedal by itself. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know. And the car started speeding up. And then I looked on the rear view mirror, and the guy tried to run after me. But because his ability was limited, he could only go as far. And that's what happens in the life of a believer who has authority but they don't have ability. You win some fights, but you will lose most fights. But guess what? If you have a uniform, a gun, and a car, when the enemy starts to mess with you, not only do you have authority over him, you also have ability to speak to him and tell him to Puma. 
Amen? Amen. And that's why Jesus said, wait, so that you have ability. That backs up your authority. So that if they don't stop, you can run to the car, you can pull out your gun and follow after him. Amen? So we need ability that backs up our authority. And God has given it to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your BMW car. He is your gun. He is the one that helps you, watch this, enforce everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. The reason we have a lot of people that are still sick, yet Jesus has already paid for healing on the cross, is because we don't have enough enforcers who are operating in the ability of the Holy Spirit. Man, you need the Holy Spirit to give you ability, dunamis, to back up the authority. Whatever he has called you to do, when you start relying on the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, you will begin to win more battles. So the Holy Spirit is your friend. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. The Holy Spirit was given to help you. He was given to strengthen you and to give you power to accomplish everything that Jesus will put in your plate. Amen? Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Did that help you? Someone shout, the Holy Spirit is my ability. ability. (coughs) Therefore, Therefore, I can do all things things through Christ Christ. who gives me strength. strength. When I lay hands on the sick, sick, they recover. recover. When I pray for things, things, they come to pass. The Holy Spirit Spirit is my strength. strength. Therefore, Therefore, I do not burn out. You know why people burn out? It is because they are now doing it in their own fuel. Man, when you depend on the Holy Spirit, you won't burn out. Because guess what? He will keep fueling you. He will keep strengthening you. He will keep refreshing you, encouraging you, comforting you. And He knows you more than anyone else in the world. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful. And starting next week, we're going to be talking about uh, the 15 things that the Holy Spirit would do in the life of a believer. And these are just awesome, 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 awesome things. That is, you start taking advantage of them, man, I'm telling you, you will see a radical transformation in your life. By the end of this year, you will come back to us and say, you know what? Something has changed. I pray with authority. I operate with peace. I'm no longer tormented. I'm no longer fearful. I no longer make me, you know, crazy, silly mistakes. Because I listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and He just guides and directs me. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, we thank you for every single one of your children under the sound of my voice. Father, we thank you for their lives. Lord, we thank you that they may begin to realize the truth of this revelation that there is he who lives on the inside of us called the Holy Spirit, our intimate friend, our comforter, and our helper. Lord, I thank you that as we go on from today, we may be sensitive to his voice. Lord, I thank you, and I give you praise in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen Amen and amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, for we... Walk by faith and not by... We hope this message has been a blessing to you. 
Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.